0: Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn them to the book of Philemon. It's between Titus and Hebrew. That one page is squeezed in there. Might be, have to tear it apart a little bit there to find that page. If you don't have an outline, I encourage you to get an outline, the bulletin outline, right out there center doors there uh, at the ministry counter. We're in a series of hope of reconciliation where we're going through the, the book of Philemon. You know, marriage is not a contract, but it's a covenant. And can you imagine that it was a contract based on performance and where two people would come together and say, this is what should be done, and then they sign the contract? It, it, suppose I would say to my wife that we got married many, many years ago, and I said, I, Doug, take you, Sheila, to be my lawfully wedded wife, that's my wife's name, to heaven to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, poor, for, uh, for uh, sickness and health, and I will never ever hurt you in any way i will never ever cause you any pain in my life and if at any time i violate the terms of this contract we'll consider it null and null and void right can you imagine it was based on that i don't think my marriage would have made out of the church parking lot How about yours but it's because of relationships it's relationship it's a covenant that we have with each other i've hurt my wife so many times over the years and each time i've hurt her she's able to absorb the pain But she's found the grace of God to forgive me, and I have with her. And and we grow through that. We grow that together. And now after decades now, we've been married. And it's this covenant that's kept us together. It's this covenant that's drawn us together, and it holds us together. It's not a contract based on performance. It's not a contract at all, but it's a covenant. And that's what relationships are. They are covenants. They're not contracts based on performance. Well, if you perform well, then okay. It's It's a covenant and we hold that together that's what holds us together if you have your bibles turn to the book of philemon and you're probably there hopefully you found it by now let me give you a little background of the book of philemon it's in the it's it was the first century the apostle paul is writing this book he's in prison he wrote four epistles while he was in the roman prison he wrote uh, ephesians philippians colossians and the book of philemon uh were were letters three of those letters, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, are written to church. The book of Philemon was written to an individual. And he's writing to a man, to a dear, dear friend of his. And this friend lives 1,200 miles away in this city of Colossi. And this man's name is Philemon. And Paul probably led him to the Lord, or he was under the ministry of the, the Apostle Paul when Paul was in the area of Colossi and Ephesus for a couple of years. This man, Philemon, was a believer now. But he was a slave owner. Slavery during any period of time is always wrong because people are not property. They're made in the image of God. And people have tremendous value, right? Not measured in dollars and cents because they're made in the image of God, so they have value. So this man knew Jesus, but he had a slave by the name of Onesimus. Remember that name, right? Onesimus. He was a slave. But Onesimus had robbed from Philemon, and he fled. And he ran properly to to hide from him. And he fled for about a thousand miles away in a city of uh, to the Roman Empire. The largest city in the Roman Empire at that time was Rome. And we find in the providence of God that he ends up meeting the Apostle Paul in jail, either one or two ways. Either because Paul had visitation rights and he went to go visit him, or Onesimus did something wrong and, and now he's in prison alongside the Apostle Paul. But while he's there in prison, Onesimus comes to know Jesus. And he's about ready to leave. And Paul wants him to do, wants to do the right thing. So he wants to send it back to Philemon. So he writes a letter. And this letter is 25 verses that he writes. And can you imagine the Apostle Paul giving this letter to Onesimus to take back to Philemon? And and here's the letter I want you to give him. Now, this is the day before Harleys and Hondas, the day before buses and planes and and cars and trucks. It's 1,200 miles. He has to go back to Colossae. It's a long, long way. And he's traveling back. His life could be in jeopardy. He doesn't know what Philemon's going to do. He doesn't know the backlash and all those things are going to happen. But he's got a long, long road to think about it, right? As we look at this letter today, I want you to think of it it, from the perspective of Philemon. Think of Philemon, the slave owner. I can imagine, I don't know if it happened like this, but I can imagine it could have happened like this, that uh, Onesimus comes to the door and knocks on the door of Philemon. Philemon opens the door and looks at him and says, where have you been? you dirty, rotten scoundrel. Can you imagine him saying that? You stole from me, and you ran from me. Where have you been? And Onesimus may say, wait, wait, before you have me beat, I want you to read this letter from the apostle Paul, and he gives him this letter. And by the end of our moments together, what I want you to do, I want you to decide, what do you think Philemon did in this case of reconciliation? The Bible doesn't tell us what he did doesn't tell us at all what do you think he did as we read this letter together we get into this This is the third message in this series as we read this I'm so glad there was a peacemaker by the name of the Apostle Paul that came and was trying to bring people together it's different than an arbitrator an arbitrator will bring two dueling parties together he would try to find common grounds they will sign papers and everything and then he goes away until that contract is expired or until it's been broken that's not what a peacemaker does A peacemaker brings peace between people who have a relationship. And he comes together and tries to bring them back together when that covenant has been broken, tries to reconcile them. That's what he tries to do. So a peacemaker is very, very valuable. So what we want to look at, if you have your outline, we want to look at three actions of a peacemaker this morning. And the first one, let me give you the first one right up front, we're going to approach people with kindness. We're going to approach people with kindness let's read before we read we want to look at it through the eyes of philemon this morning of what philemon is thinking and notice the beauty of what paul is saying here paul could have done he could appeal through his apostolic authority but he did not do that he could have wrote and says uh dear philemon uh, i'm sending onesimus back to you he is now a brother in christ he's accepted jesus christ i'm not sending him back as a slave but you need to accept him back you need to forgive him and make it right you don't have an option if he owes you anything, I'll pay it back. Uh, you don't have an option. I'm an apostle. You're not. Do it. Love Paul. He could have wrote that, right? He could have wrote that with this apostolic authority, but he didn't do that. He's appealing on the basis of who Philemon is, is what we see here, and, and, and the common bond that they have of koinonia. What does koinonia mean again? One more time. Koinonia. What does it mean? Fellowship. Yes, fellowship. I want you to know that word fellowship, and so he's appealing on that, and he's sharing together Jesus Christ and the eternal life that they have together. So what we see here, he appeals to them as a prisoner. Let's read verses 1 through 7 of Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, to the church that meets in your home, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints." So we read that and we see that Paul is not even mentioning the name of Onesimus at the beginning of this letter, is he? doesn't even mention his name. He's telling Philemon who he is. And he, Paul is sharing that he's gentle and he's showing kindness to him, right? That's what we see him doing right here. He's gentle and showing kindness. It happens in relationships sometimes when an event can happen or a series of events that, that brings a cloud over us. And sometimes that ca- cloud will, will cause us to kind of have in our minds to diminish the length and breadth and depth of a relationship that we have with someone else. And it's very difficult to, for us because of that brokenness in our humanity sometimes to get past that, to see past all those things because of our brokenness and our sinfulness and our heart. I remember a long time ago, many, many years ago in another church that this guy had said something to me and I became irritated with him. And I thought to myself, man, the next time I have a meeting with him, I'm going to let, really let him have it. And so I started forming in my mind a conversation I was going to have with him, and I started making bullet points in my head and my argument, what I was going to say, taking some things out, deleting some things, adding more bullet points to support my argument. Am I the only one that does this? Does any of you else, anybody else does it, Or am I just abnormal? Or do you do that? Or you're too afraid to admit you do that, right? You're like me. So as I was doing this, I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to have this talk with this guy, and I'm going to really feel good about this. But he's not going to feel so good about what I have to say to him, right? And when I was doing this, what I was doing, I was taking an event, what I thought I heard, and letting it destroy or diminish the length and depth and breadth of a relationship that I had with this man. And the Holy Spirit of God convicted me and told me, wait, 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 wait. He had to remind me, wait a minute. You and him have been friends. You've been friends for a long, long time and you've ministered together, and you've done a lot of things together. You have this bond together. You love him. He loves you. Therefore, you need to be kind to him. Don't treat him that way. Be kind. See, being kind means to step back. It means to step back from all the anger that we have with the person and step back from the anger. The Bible says to be slow to anger and slow to speech, right? And so it means to believe in the best of someone and to be kind to the person that would operate in kindness as we speak to them. Not what I need to say. That's how we operate so many times. What they need to hear. Not what I need to say to get it off my chest. Boy, I can't wait to give it to them. What they need to hear. What they need to hear is encouragement and to build them up. That's what we need to do. By the time the Holy Spirit was done with me, he'd taken that message that it took me so long to formulate my mind, and he deleted the whole thing. He needed to because it was wrong was wrong. I didn't need to share that. I needed to go down that path. I needed to show kindness. We have to approach with kindness when anger is involved. But they say, get rid of the anger, because if we're going to approach someone in anger, they're not going to listen to us at all. They just turn us off. They turn us off. And they start thinking how they can respond back. They're not even listening. But when we approach you with kindness, and that's what the Apostle Paul does, we need to be kind. Paul was like this throughout his entire letter. He was kind. The second action of a peacemaker that's very important We engage in risky or messy situations. We engage in risky situations. Uh, That's that's what we do. You get involved, and sometimes you take arrows from both parties, right, as you're trying to get involved to be that peacemaker. You say, why would you do it? Because people matter and relationships are important. That's why we do it, right? We we do that. There's an interesting word that I want to talk with you about. It's, It's a Greek word. Most of the New Testament is written in Greek, some was in Aramaic. But this Greek word is special because there's not a single English word that could be translated well for it. And it's this word called splenitzomai. splenitzomai, I'm not gonna ask you to say it, I have a hard time saying it. splenitzomai. And you say, what does it mean? The ancients believed that the seed of emotions were in the bowels, were in the liver, deep inside. So the word meant the totality of one's being is what it means. It, that led to compassion. It would lead to compassion. It, it's recognition as a believer in Jesus Christ that we've been saved and received the extent, uh, the full extent of God's mercy. So we're led to respond with mercy and compassion with people. That's what we're supposed to do, right? Because we've been saved. Because God has demonstrated His mercy to us. But when you look at an arbitrator when he's trying to reconcile someone, and someone's sitting there and you try to reconcile, and they fold their arms and say, I, "I'm not going to move." Yeah, they've said they're sorry. They've, add, they've, they've kind of apologized, but it's a phony apology. It's fake, because they didn't really mean it. The words they say, they didn't come from the deepest part of their being, and they didn't mean it. They didn't have this word, splenitzomai. So I don't really trust it. We see that Jesus used this word three different times uh, when he was teaching his disciples in his uh, parables. And one of the parables was Matthew 18. Jesus used the word when he says, The servant's master took pity on him that's like nitsomai is what he's talking about that big word that greek word to have pity sometimes it can be translated heart mercy or love Uh, the king james will translate it bowels of compassion if you have the king james bowels of compassion one's entire being is what it's talking about there this goes beyond the service yeah we love each other so we need to work this out it goes much deeper than that what it's talking about much deeper Another time that Jesus used another another parable parables in Luke chapter 15. This is the parable of the prodigal son. You probably know this. Remember the son wanted to take some of his father's inheritance? And the father gives him the inheritance, and he goes off to far off country, and he wasted it on ways that are opposite to the way that he was raised, right? And, and, and then he, he, when he comes to his senses, he's in a pig's pen, which is a horrible condition for a young Jewish man. When he realizes what he's done, he goes back home. And the Bible says that his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. That's splink nitsomai. That's that splink nitsomai. His father saw him. And what would make a father do that? It seems like it would be a good time for a father to see his son come up, say, yes, son, come on up here. Let's sit on the porch. This is a great time to give I-told-you-so speech, right? I told you what was going to happen. You went off and spent all the money, so now this is what you're going to do. What would it take for the father to do that? It's this splink nitsomai that the father had. where the Father understood the mercies of God in his life, and therefore he demonstrated compassion toward his Son. Mercy toward his Son is what he was able to do. Jesus used it in another parable that you know, the parable in Luke 10. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. You all know that parable. A priest and Levite had already walked on the other side of the road. It was in a dangerous place where they were, a Jewish man who had been beaten and robbed and left for dead. And here comes a Samaritan. If you know anything, the Jews and Samaritans did not get along. They hated each other. They did not associate with each other. But the Samaritan, the Bible says, took pity on him. He had compassion. Splank is what he had. He had to the totality of his being, to the core of his being. And when you look at this case with this, with the good Samaritan, you have to ask and ask, did he calculate the cost? What it was going to cost him to do that? Did he look at this? Did he understand the danger that he was in? Did he understand this? wasn't going to be one-minute resuscitation, and then he's off on his own. But he's going to have to go there, and he's going to have to go and and take him someplace, and then he's going to have to minister to this man, and then he's going to have to continue writing checks to pay for his rehab and for him to get better and for his health and all those kind of things. See, when you have splenchnitzomai, like that good Samaritan, you do it. It leads to action. It leads to selfless action when you have splenchnitzomai. You probably wonder, what is he talking about right now, right? Why does he bring this up? The reason I bring this up, because the Apostle Paul didn't use this word very often, but in this letter, he uses that noun three times in these 25 verses, three times. It's a big deal. He uses it when he's trying to get across to Philemon. One in verse 7. Let's look at verse 7. He says here, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints— hearts, nitsomai is what he's saying there. He's saying this innermost being has been refreshed through, through Philemon. People have been refreshed to the core of their being. It's almost as if he was saying to Philemon, keep doing what you're known to be doing. Keep doing what you're known to be doing, he's saying. Keep living your life in the depths of your being. As God has blessed you, bless other people. And oh, by the way, include Onesimus in that blessing. That's what he's saying to him. Include Onesimus in that blessing. But keep doing what you've always been known to be doing. The second time he uses is, is in verse 12. He says, I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. Splanknitzomai, again, is what he's saying there. He's saying, I'm not just signing my name at the end of this letter. He says, no, I'm sending my very being, the totality of who I am, my personality, all that I am. I'm sending back with this man as you accept him. If you accept him as you would accept me is what he's saying. Because everything that I am, I'm sending back with this man. Him, if you love me from the core of my being, I'm sending it back. Then love him. Accept him. Make things right. The third time Paul used the word was in verse 20. He says, I do wish, brother, that it may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Again, splenicomite. What's he doing? He says, if you will do the right thing. Doesn't command him to do the right thing. Paul doesn't do that at all. He says, when you read this, he does everything but does that. But he's building his argument. He says, accept him as a brother. And he says, and if you do that, you will refresh my heart. He says, you will refresh it to the core. To the core of my being, splenitzomai, like is what he's saying. To the core of my being, you will refresh me if you will do this. And I wonder how that could happen today. I, I thought, about, thought about it, and I was thinking, it could be someone maybe here writing someone, and this is a made-up story, but if somebody could write somebody or, or call their sister, brother here could call his sister, maybe in Los Angeles, and say, you never guess what happened, but mom and dad have reconciled. And they say, what? Yeah, mom and dad are reconciled. And the brother and sister would be refreshed to the core of their being. And they can't stop talking about it because of what has happened. They can't go back to watching Judge Judy on, the, on TV, right? Because they're so excited to the core of their being, the totality of their being, splint nitzomai, because what has happened, they've been refreshed. You know, we all have so much in common. If we know Jesus Christ, our Savior, we have that in common. But some of those difficulties that we go through, some of that conflict that we have, are among people we've come out of the same wound of. And some of those difficulties we have as those we've said vows with, right in, a, in front of an aisle, just like this one. We've said that. We have those problems. And it's going to take somebody with splank in their hearts and their minds who's going to say, let me make this thing work. I'll do whatever it takes to make it work. It's going to take somebody like that with splank From the core of my being, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it happen in my life. No matter what it takes, I'm willing to do that. And you can't change someone else. You can only change yourself you can't make a decision for someone else you can only make a decision for yourself i can't change that person and maybe i have a broken relationship i can't say i'm going to wait till they change and when they do then i'll think about it no right now god wants to work in your heart and he's looking to change your life he'll deal with that person whoever it may be but in your life god is looking for that splint to take place in our own lives well how do you get this how do you get this splint you get it from god get it from jesus we only find it in him. That's the way we get this. And I'll talk about that, how you get Jesus later on in the message, toward the end of the message. But you see, Paul is building this, this pressure. And, and Philemon is reading this letter. And he's got to be thinking. He's got to be getting to it. He needs to do the right thing. He needs to do what's right. Because how he writes this, it's beautiful the way Paul writes this. It's very persuasive. Doesn't command him to do anything. But he's persuasive. And, he, and Paul is willing to do whatever he's got to do to make it happen. He's got this to me, Whatever, whatever I got to do, I'll do this to make it happen. And Paul says, if he owes you anything, I'll pay it back. And he says, not to mention that you owe me, he says, your very soul, your very self, means you owe me your very soul, not to mention that. I encourage all of you to join a small group, to get involved, serving in a ministry. And maybe you say, why would I join a small group? I, I don't really need a small group in my life. But I understand You will. Sooner or later, you will. You're going to need to be in a small group. You're going to need to have those connections. So we we don't ever join groups when we need to, but in essence, we always do. We always need to be in one. In essence, we all need that. I want to challenge all of you to be peacemakers. And that's what we're all called, to be Ministry of Reconciliation, be those peacemakers. But I also want to challenge you and warn you, there are some situations that you can't jump in as a peacemaker. Otherwise, you're going to make things worse if you do that. And so you ask, what is necessary to be a good peacemaker? I'm glad you asked the question it's relationships it's the only way you can be a good peacemaker it's relationships and paul had a relationship with each one of these people see so if you want to, if you don't have a relationship with those involved the chance of reconciliation is going to be minimal in your life so we need to get in small groups and we need to get in those places of ministry where we can build those relationships with other people so we can have those bonds with other people when things happen and they will they always will Because we have two imperfect people in a relationship together. There's going to be some kinds of problems. There's going to be bumps in the road. And they need someone to come alongside them. With splint nitsomai, this is what do I got to do to make this happen? And it's going to take you having a relationship with both of those people. So we need to get out of our comfort zone. We need to get in those small groups and and build those relationships so I can have the opportunity to, to meet, so I can be an effective peacemaker. I got to be effective in ministry reconciliation. We need to get in serving together with other people so I could build those relationships with people in Christ, and I can get to know them. So if they're having problems or if I'm having problems, I have those relationships that people I can depend on that can come alongside of me with splank Nitzomai and help me to work that out, right? And we need that. So I encourage you to get involved. Whether you realize you need it or not, you do. You do. We all do it. We all need it. All of us were created to, to be in community, to be in small groups. God didn't create us to be in isolation. We are created with that instinct to be in community with one another, to grow together. That's why we meet. That's why God made the church, for us to meet together. The third action of a peacemaker is to bear the cost of reconciliation. We're to bear the cost. Let's read verse 8 through 20. Paul writes, If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that it may have some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, is what he's saying. When reconciliation takes place, when it works, it's, it's wonderful, it's beautiful, it's an amazing thing, and God gets all the glory, right? He gets all the glory. We give all the fame and glory and recognition and honor and praise to God. God, you did this. It's wonderful and fantastic. We need to celebrate that. We need to celebrate that when it happens. But I know probably many of you here today, and as I'm talking, your hearts are torn and they're heavy because you have broken relationships with people in your life that you love very much, that you love and you care about so much, but you've been hurt. And I've been praying through this whole series that God would make reconciliation take place, that if God would draw us back together. And let's continue praying that, that we pray that, that God would do that. God can do that, right? Do you believe God can do that? Amen? Amen. And, and then when the news of reconciliation can take place, they're all refreshed. To the core of our being, right? Splink nitzomai. To the core of my being, I'm refreshed because reconciliation is taking place between two people or something like that. But it may begin in our own hearts. We can't wait till that other person we're thinking about right now in your mind, who's that on your mind right now, it's not thinking about what they're going to do, it's thinking about what you're going to do. That's what God is working out. You can't change someone else, but God can change you right now. Got to take care of that person. We can pray for them, but God is interested right now in you. That we come to God and say, God, I'm going to yield my heart for, to you. And let our hearts be refreshed, and he'll do that. We don't come to, to come and we come to a place with God where we said, God, okay, that I'm going to fold my arms and I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to move until she says this or they say that. But no, God, I'm going to unfold my arms and I'm going to surrender to you until you're ready to work in my heart and mind to make me to that place ready for reconciliation. That's what we should all want. Surrender our hearts and minds and the way we think. I'm going to go back to that question that I asked you at the beginning. What did you think Philemon did at the end of this letter? When he finished reading the letter, any ideas, Any thoughts? I mean, most people think because this letter is included in the Bible, that reconciliation took place. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in there. (laughs) They believe that. But I like to believe that Philemon, after he read this letter, after he read it, and having the heart that we knew he had because from the beginning of the letter, Paul explains his heart, that after reading that letter, he took that letter, and he stood up, and he went to Onesimus, and he embraced him, and he gave him a hug. And he says, welcome to the family. Welcome to my family, and let's worship. That's what needs to happen. That needs to happen between us. And that's what he needed to do. And that's what Paul wanted him to do. Welcome to the family. Let's worship together in my house because the church met in his house. So we learn this from Jesus. Jesus was the great peacemaker, right? Between two warring parties, God who is holy and just to mankind who's been broken and sinful. God's holiness could not be minimized to accommodate man's sinfulness, nor can man's sinfulness be whitewashed enough to appease God's holiness. So the Bible tells us that Jesus came to be the peacemaker. According to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, he came and he went to the cross and God placed all sins upon Jesus, all our sins, all your sins, all the sins upon Jesus. And Jesus made peace for us with God. That now you and I can have peace with God through Jesus. Amen? He was able to do that for us spiritually. He was able to do that. Die in the cross. So now you and I, that gap has been bridged between us and God through Jesus because Jesus provides peace with God. He reconciles us to God. Now we can come to God through Jesus. But he also, he continued to make peace when he started his church. He didn't stop there between us and God. Uh, the church he, that he brought the, together in this mysterious way, the Bible says, the two groups of people who ate each other, those Jews— in those gentiles who couldn't stand each other he broke down that middle wall that partitioned between them he broke it down and by the cross and brought peace between them it's a beautiful thing it's a wonderful thing not only to bring spiritual peace between us and god but he brought a physical peace between the jews and gentiles between you and i and other people we can have that peace of jesus with others we can do that by the power of christ by the power of the cross amen and jesus is still doing that today Whatever relationship difficulty that you have today, you can't, you, maybe you say, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I've tried and it doesn't work. That you'd open up your heart and, and do whatever God would have you to do. Don't close your heart. Don't fold your arms and say, I'm not going to do anything. But you'd open up your heart and say, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. And I'll pray for that peace to come. And pray for the peace to happen in your heart and mind. And in your, in your life with other people. Pray for that. And take those speeches that you've written. Because if you're like me, and I believe many of you are like me, we all kind of do that. Those speeches that we've written, surrender to them the Holy Spirit, let them delete them. Get rid of those speeches. Get rid of those things that we have so that we can bring that peace between us and other people. And if you don't know Jesus yet, if you're here today and you say, but I, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus, you don't know the peacemaker between us and God. Today I pray that you would accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible said it's by grace you have been saved through faith that you would understand that we are all separated from god i'm separated from god because i'm a sinner we're all sinners because of our sin it separates us from a holy just righteous perfect god right he's perfect and i am not none of us are so we're separated nothing we can do so god sent his son from heaven to this earth and he came that's what we celebrate christmas in a few weeks about that he came to this earth and then he grew up to be a man and then he went to the cross and God placed upon Jesus all of our sins. That's what we celebrate Good Friday, and then Easter is all about, where He rose from the dead. And on that cross, Jesus Christ died for all of your sins. He paid for all your sins. He was your substitute upon that cross, He was your peacemaker. He reconciles you to God. And now you and I can approach a holy, just, perfect, righteous God, but we have to come to God His way. And there's only one way. It's the way that God has provided for us, and it's through His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, please do that today, okay? Put your faith and trust in Jesus. We're about ready in a few weeks to celebrate Christmas. That's what this is all about, that God sent His gift. His gift, His only Son, Jesus Christ, to us. And so you would put your faith and trust in Jesus. If you've not done that... Please do that right now. I'm just saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. And although Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and today I accept him, I receive him as my Savior. If you've never done that, do that. If you still have questions, please come and see me. Listen to me. If you have questions about that, please come and see me, because this is about eternity. You want to get that right, right? You want to get that right. So make sure you come and see me so we can answer some of those questions. What I want to do, I, maybe you're here today and say, I need prayer for the things that you've talked about today. I want to pray for all of us this morning as I close here. I want to pray for all of us that maybe you've got a relationship in your own life that is broken. You need the healing touch of God. That you might be willing, be bold enough. Let me see how many bold people that you might raise your hand and say, I've got one of those relationships in my life. that I say, I need the healing touch of God. It's broken. And maybe a friend, maybe a family member, maybe it's a work person, it's broken. And I need the healing touch of God. What I want to do is pray for us this morning pray for us that every head could be bowed and every eye closed let's just go to lord in prayer and ask him and and then after this we could pray if you still need more one prayer i'd be glad to pray with you let's just go to lord in prayer lord we come to you and we just praise you and thank you for your goodness for who you are and lord you know each one of our hearts you know each one of our conditions right now and lord I, i i pray for each person that's raised their hand or in their heart lord they have this broken relationship and they know that Lord, there may be buckets and buckets and buckets and buckets of pain in their life. Lord, we ask that you bring healing. We ask that you bring hope. Lord, work out your miracles, not just in the relationship, but Lord, you might begin with our own hearts this morning. We ask, Lord, that you would tender our hearts, that you might soften our hearts this morning. Lord, if there's malice in our hearts this morning, please remove it and replace it with kindness. Lord, if there's hatred, delete the hatred and fill us with your love this morning. Lord, if there's animosity, if there's any retribution that we have in our hearts that we want to get back at somebody, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with the work of your Holy Spirit and, and produce the fruit that, that lays the groundwork for reconciliation in our own lives. Because that's what we want. That's our heart's desire. That's what you want, to reconcile us. That's why Jesus came, not only to reconcile us with you, but to reconcile us with one another. Lord, we pray for our hearts would be tender, that we'd unfold our arms and we surrender our hearts and minds to you. We surrender that relationship to you that you might be glorified through it. We pray for reconciliation. Lord, we pray for that person that we've had that broken relationship with. with. We pray that you would tender their hearts right now. Start having them have a desire, Lord, in their hearts and minds, Lord, for reconciliation. We pray that splintnitzomai would take place in our hearts and our minds. We might have that love for that person to say, I'll do whatever it takes to make this happen. Bring others along that help us to be that peacemaker in our lives. Lord, we surrender to you, and Lord, we promise to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise as you work in each one of our lives. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We ask in that peacemaker's name, the only one who can reconcile us to God the Father is through his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.